0: Hey, it's me, Chance, with Punk Journalism, and you're about to listen to my interview with Dr. Paraba Unithon, Professor of Sociology at Colorado State University. Within the department at CSU, Professor Unithon is specialized in researching criminology and criminal justice, policy analysis, and program evaluation. He's also co-authored a number of books, including The Currents of Lethal Violence, Policing and Society, a Global Approach, and Guns, Violence, and Criminal Behavior, The latter of those are among our topics of discussion in which Professor Unithon performed a number of in-depth interviews with incarcerated individuals who committed their felonies with a firearm. Also, stay tuned for my interview with Professor Jennifer Carlson from the School of Sociology at the University of Arizona, where I'll dig even further into this topic of gun violence and toxic masculinity. Finally, be sure to check out punk-journalism.com, where you can stay up to date with all the blogs and podcasts that I've posted up to this point, and follow us on facebook.com slash punkjournalism, twitter.com slash punkjournalism, and instagram.com slash punk underscore journalism. Professor Unithon, one of the big things that I wanted to talk to you about first is the research that you've done up to this point and kind of the notable works that you've accomplished, one of those being a book that you co-authored, mm-hmm. uh, Guns, Violence,
1: from, and Criminal Behavior from the right.
0: Criminal's Perspective. Right, right. Uh, can you give a little bit of background on that and what, what the intention was behind doing that research and, and writing that book with the the, uh, the folks that you authored that with?
1: All right. I think uh, the idea was to sort of look at the role that uh, guns played in um, a variety of situations where these were uh, used in the commission of a crime. Um, mostly, we focused on people who had actually used the gun. In other words, it's not like they, you know, carried the gun with them and didn't use it, but where they'd actually used it. So we you know refer to them as shooters people who had actually you know shot a gun in the in the commission of a crime Uh, so the book was based on in-depth interviews with uh, people who had used guns in uh, you know the various um, parts of the state um, you know who were locked up basically in various prisons in in colorado
0: okay and what were some of the the bigger findings that you found from that research
1: right yeah so i would say you know there are a number of different things that themes that emerged mm-hmm. from the interviews that we conducted but i think the two big things um so one would have to do with uh, um you know if for a lot of these people how easy it was to have access to to guns okay in other words it was not a problem for them even though they may have had felony records before uh, to be able to uh, access guns so in some cases they would uh, have other people uh, make purchases for them uh, people who didn't have felony records um, or they would have um, you know they would steal it from people's houses um, so, it was just, you uh, know, very, the, the ease of acquisition uh, of, of guns was clearly something that, that came up in these, uh, in these interviews. So, it was never a problem for them to be able to um, use, or to, sorry, to find guns and then to, to be able to use them mm-hmm. uh, in the commission of, uh, of, of crimes that, you know, they were now convicted of and then now they're in prison for those. Um, I think the 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 second theme that um,
0: just real quick I wanted to just address that okay. was as far as the ease of 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 getting access to these weapons, mm-hmm. uh, what how did they say that they would go about doing this? Was it they the availability of of so many guns within the community? Um, was it just lax gun laws? Well,
1: you know, I think it, it really didn't matter mm-hmm. for them um, in the sense of. Well, there were laws, uh, but remember, you know, a lot of these people, I mean, they end up in prison because they have had, you know, previous criminal records. So essentially, you know, the process is, okay, you go on probation, you go to jail, maybe a halfway house, maybe. And then, you know, eventually, because of the built up record, uh, you end up in prison. And and then, you know, the use of the gun, obviously, is an aggravating factor that uh, makes it more likely that you're going to be, uh, sent to a state prison. So the, the presence of laws, I mean, they thought about it, but really it wasn't something that, you know, was part of the equation in terms of, well, to do whatever it is that I'm going to do, I would need access to a gun. So it didn't really, you know, factor in that much. I think, um, like I said, you know, what they would do is they would uh, get it from others. Um, they would, uh, you know, per- make straw Buys basically, in other words, somebody else would buy it for them from uh, legally, legally, mm-hmm. or you know through you know they would go to a gun show or some place where they could acquire it uh, and then pass it on to the person who had asked them to to get it for them. Um, and then, uh, like I said, sometimes they would you know steal it from homes that they knew. Uh, where guns were, uh, you know, were present. Okay. So it was never really a, a big factor. The laws themselves, I mean, again, it's one of those situations where, you know, if you already have a criminal record, uh, the law itself, yeah, you think about it, but it's not necessarily going to be a great- You have a lot
0: less to lose at that point. Exactly, right. exactly. And then you were about to make a second point from that. that
1: right, point. from, from, uh, from you know, the the, the study. Um, So I would say that, you know, for a lot of these people, it was a point of personal, initially at least, it was a point of personal protection, okay, in the sense that, you know, they uh, saw it as, well, there are other people who have guns around, so I need to protect myself. So it was kind of, you know, almost seemed like a...
0: Like a dog uh, dogs?
1: Yeah, an uh, arms race kind of thing, you know, so-and-so that I'm going to confront may have a gun, therefore I need a gun, and, you know, and even though I may not plan on using it, it's certainly, you know, going to be there if I need to use it. So sort of conceiving of situations and then uh, thinking about, you know, what some of the things might be that would uh, get in the way of the successful completion of whatever crime that they were thinking about. Uh, and most of the time, you know, these involved things like robberies of, you know, convenience stores or home, uh, you know, homes, etc. So basically, it was this idea that, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily going to use the gun, but certainly a good idea to have it with me for my own protection in case I'm confronted. Uh, And so essentially, that thought then carries over when they find that, you know, they may need to use the gun. And so there's a a thought process that is involved. So
0: you had mentioned that there was less and less aversion to to committing the crimes because they were already kind of in so deep in in unlawfulness that there there was less to lose. Right. Do you think that there should be some sort of a better mechanism in place societally that we can offer uh, services or help to these people? so that they don't feel like they, right. they're they like, well, you know, whatever, I just, I've already gone this far, why right. not go further?
1: Right. Yeah, well, definitely. I think, you know, part of the uh, process here is, if we don't, you know, we talked about this before, which is that, you know, the the, the greatest challenge that every society has, it seems to me, is the socialization of uh, boys into young men, mm-hmm. you know, socialized young men who will obey the rules, follow the norms, et cetera, um, so, under those circumstances, then, you know, what you're seeing is that uh, if the traditional institutions that we have, which is, you know, family, church, um, you know, religion, the uh, uh, education, you know, schools, etc., if these institutions are somehow failing or not necessarily um affecting the um, you know the, the 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 child at you know important mm-hmm. points in their lives then there are going to be other socialization agents gangs you know deviant older people uh, who are necessarily going to have an impact uh, on these individuals and so yeah i mean if we can kind of get into that situation before it takes place where they're not thinking about well, you know, everybody around here is part of a, a gang, everybody I know, so maybe I should join too. If we can, you know, get in on that sort of thinking process uh, and be able to move them away from that, yeah. then yeah, that would that would make a big difference. Right, because it, it sounds
0: like what you're saying is a lot of the times these young men, who it often seems to be young men, most mm-hmm. often, will gravitate towards gang life because there's a lack of of, of structure right. or, or support within their lives. Right, right. And so from... The, the book that we were talking about
1: mm-hmm.
0: were the majority of of individuals that you interviewed were they mostly male I would assume
1: yes yes okay. yeah and- um, I mean I think what happened was you know we had a couple of women in the um, in the sample um, that you know we we drew uh, but for some reasons you know they didn't want to at la- at the, the last minute they decided that they didn't want to talk to us um i don't know that may mean something in and of itself hmm. yeah, uh yeah and and so we were unable to you know get any females into the uh, into our study sample yeah. so what does that
0: say then because uh, you know we look at so many mass shootings and there was the the most recent tragedy in new, new zealand, zealand. Mm-hmm. um and then obviously many many leading up to that what do you see as as the common theme um, as far as why when these mass shootings take place they, it seems to be always or not seems to be but it, it is
1: always almost fails. always yeah yeah mm-hmm. well, uh,
0: what do you think is going on there like is it something something that we talk about on the podcast often is this idea of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and this this notion that at least in american culture and obviously abroad as well sure there's this idea that uh, young men aren't really conditioned or supported to express emotions the only emotion that they're really expected to express is anger right. and is that play into this as what as far as the stigma being placed on on young boys and into manhood right. that they can't express themselves emotionally and Right. And is this something that builds up, and then this aggression uh, sometimes leads to these mass shootings right. you know, in, in the name of racism or right. or some sort of phobia?
1: Yeah, I think you know the 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 issue of socialization, right? What that we talked about. I mean, that's confronted by every society. Um, you know, they find different means of trying to um, accommodate this uh, socialization process. You know, how do we? Uh, do this by sometimes, you know, uh, the the idea of, um, well, you know, you're going to be treated as uh, a a young man very early in life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're sort of a little man even before you achieve what we think of as the age of adulthood. So that, you know, so, so, so you're already responsible for your behavior and all of that. So some, some societies do it that way. Some societies have things like national service, right? Uh, Which basically, you know, like the draft we used to have. Right, right. Israel has that. Yeah, Israel has that. And Singapore, you know, a number of other countries do that as a means of, again, it's a, you know, proper socialization of uh, young boys into manhood. Um, So there are different mechanisms for for doing that, okay? I mean, uh, churches send uh, people on missions when, you know, they become... Uh, when they're close to adulthood, mm-hmm, sure. etc. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, Latter-day Saints. I mean, they, they 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 do that. So so essentially, it's this idea of an institution in society that is responsible, whether it's a military, whether it's religion, whatever it is, to to socialize people into proper adulthood. Yeah. Now in the absence of those kinds of mechanisms uh and i'm not necessarily saying they're always successful well there it is absent
0: in the u.s here. right so in the everything u.s thing that you're really talking about we right. don't really have we don't have yeah.
1: and in the absence of those kinds of things i mean you know what we have here is well higher education right which is what is supposed to make that magic mm-hmm. happen if you can afford it exactly right. exactly so so a lot of times you know that is not necessarily available to everybody And also, it's not, I mean, the function of higher education, it seems to me, we have moved away from this idea that, you know, when we're responsible for you in turning you into a proper, you know, a rule following, yeah, adult, I mean, that's not, I mean, we've kind of moved away from that, that idea. So, again with or without higher education, okay? So they're, they're, the the absence of these kinds of formal mechanisms in society, uh, I think it takes a toll, not necessarily on everybody. I mean, sometimes, I mean, most people are not involved in mass shootings. Most, you know, people are not necessarily, you know, going out, attacking others and, and uh, assaulting others, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, there are a few people, and then these ideologies, which sort of, you know, um, Seek to affect the the difficulties that people have mm, they exploit in, it kind of, exactly, yeah. exactly. Right. so so then you know you don't you're kind of rootless. You don't know what your role is. you're you know maybe uh, you know you're not necessarily participating in the economy in terms of you know work or full-time employment or employment that is satisfying to you, unemployed, underemployed, whatever. Uh, and you're kind of you know, going, going about in society. I mean, a lot of these people that you see you know, involved in mass shootings, they have this kind of rootlessness that is uh, you know, connected to their lives. And so the yeah. ideologies then give them meaning, give them focus, give them, uh, let's face it, an enemy and you know, an object that you can then you know seek to do something about right, yeah. and and so yeah again like i said you know we're not talking about a large number of people we're just talking about you know a small group of people for whom the process just hasn't worked mm-hmm.
0: so um, there's a uh, i don't know if, if you know this 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 other professor from University of Northern Colorado in Greeley uh, but he co-authored a book called gun violence in public life uh, along with Michael Kimmel his name is Cliff Lee mm-hmm. And they uh, they say, quote, not only do traditional notions of masculinity prevent men from seeking counseling or other forms of help that they need, help that may prevent these mass shootings, but violence is also in, inoculated as a more masculine alternative than help seeking. Yes. And so uh, I think that that just sort of goes along with with what you're saying as far as um, there there's really a void in our culture right now mm-hmm. as far as you know what's an alternative for young men to feel comfortable sleeping. Sure. What do you what do you see as an uh, as a solution to this? Because I think that a lot of times we'll run into a lot of opposition or stymieing effect, where one one you know group of legislators might offer a solution, and almost by default the other group uh, shuts it down, it, right? Opposes it, just almost as a means to right. um, be combative. Right. So, like, if there's, you know, one group says that maybe we should put this social program in place, right. you know, there, there's just so much, um, it's an uphill battle. Right. What do you see as, as a good solution to this? Right,
1: I mean, you know, the, the solution, um, if there is one, is really for us to sort of come together and agree that, you know, there is a problem and it needs to be dealt with. I mean, you know, there are powerful forces that are aligned with, uh, you know, well, let's not solve this particular problem because again, I'm not, you know, trying to uh, make anybody the, the villain here, but powerful forces that sort of say, okay, you know, we can make some money off of this, whether it's, you know, the sale of drugs or sale of guns or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so let's not, you know, let's not worry, you know, let's keep it as it is, the status quo, uh, which obviously for at least, you know, some small portion of the population is is not satisfying. So we need, I mean, satisfactory. So I think we need to, you know, come together and decide uh, that this is an issue and it matters and that, you know, we need to work together to to solve it. Uh, Now, when and how that happens, I you know who knows. But uh, I'm hopeful. I mean, I, I you know tend to be optimistic about these things. That in the long run, people come to their senses and you know and try to do the right thing. Uh, but yeah, in the short run, we have this sort of you know us versus them mentality mm-hmm. uh, that yeah, really right. makes solving these issues difficult. Yeah.
0: So it's almost like a cultural change, almost at the individual level, needs to put, take place where families need to recognize that if they have maybe small boys that mm-hmm. they need to offer that support and, yes. and let them know that it's okay to express these feelings right um and i think that uh one thing that uh i i did come across as far as you know this is it's almost a controversial subject because a lot of these these mass shootings uh it lately has been sort of frowned upon to just give it the band-aid of well it was a mental health issue and because that doesn't really that's just a sort of a platitude almost Mm -hmm. and at the same time you think to yourself well if somebody does you know open fire on a large group of individuals obviously they have a mental health issue Mm -hmm. Uh, but I mean do you think it goes deeper than that Um, there was a an article I came across uh, it says uh, this is from the American Psychological Association that's men are less likely than women to seek mental health care for depression, substance sure. abuse, and stress. Right. Parallel to this, men are three times more likely than women to to own a gun. And mm-hmm. this is from the Pew Research Center in right. 2017. Right? Right. So, I mean, do you think that it is, um, you know, a, like the, the individual in New Zealand, is that just a mental health issue? issue or is it a combination of of that and cultural things right
1: well you know like i said we talked about you know the socialization part okay so obviously given you know that the the failure in that i mean let's call it what it was i mean obviously Mm -hmm. you know whoever it is that was responsible for inculcating the values and the norms and, and, you know, consideration for uh, other human beings and all of that. I mean, somehow that didn't quite work out in this particular case. And yet at the same time, you know, like I said, we've got these ideologies and uh, these groups, whether they be gangs, whether they be, you know, political groups, uh, extremist groups, whatever they are, they're sort of looking for people like this to, you know, to sort of, Uh, use for their own uh, ends, for their own purposes. So, yeah, I mean, clearly there is a mental health issue that given the failure in socialization, the earlier failure then, you know, could have been dealt with if there was proper you know seeking of mental Outdoors, health uh, source, or,
0: yeah, yeah, sources yeah uh, for these people to go to, to
1: go right. to you know I'm having these thoughts about you know doing this and you know I've been dealing with uh, these kinds of issues and you know so if if that's not addressed right in other words if there's no outlet for those to be uh, talked about, discussed, and, you know, eventually, I mean, uh, resolved is probably too strong of a term, but mm-hmm. at least sort of counseled, you know, that people people get counseled in these, that these certainly would help. Uh, but, I mean, we think of, I mean, I know there's more attention to mental health issues now than perhaps there used sure. to be right. before. Yeah. Uh, yet at the same time, I mean, if you think of it in terms of Well, physical illness and the sort of, you know, army of uh, doctors and, you know, nurses and physicians assistants and all these people that are available to deal with physical illnesses. I mean, you think about the equivalent for, uh, you know, psychological mental illness and and issues like that. I mean, it's still... I mean, it's it's almost yeah. you know small, right? Well, and we
0: had a discussion before where you had made I think a, the, you made a really good comparison to something like uh, tobacco use mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how you know in, in the 50s and 60s, right. doctors would often tell you, you know, if you want to relieve some stress, go Just smoke, go some smoke right? And uh, you know how far we've come from there. Right. So, but that's still, it's 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 been a while. It's been a right. long time that we've right. gotten to that point. So, right. do you? think that that's a fair comparison, that maybe with this, that
1: they eventually see that
0: same sort of change?
1: Well, I mean, I've seen change enough in, you know, in American society in the sense that uh, there used to be a time when, you know, insurance wouldn't cover uh, issues that were deemed as, you know, psychological or mental or whatever. So that's about, what, about 25, 30 years ago. Uh, that you know insurance started covering those kinds of things and you know employee employee assistance programs and all of that became available for people to deal with mental health issues uh, I mean we have one on campus and you know the and we're encouraged to use those when you know we have difficulties sure. interpersonal difficulties yeah, yeah. etc um, and you know there's always this idea uh, not always but more recently this idea of you know, we're all sort of responsible for each other. And if you notice that, you know, people are having difficulties or they're withdrawn or they're, um, you know, stressed or whatever, that, you know, we try to, you know, let responsible people know Mm -hmm. who can help them uh, with those issues. So certainly there has been change. But again, like I said, you know, when you think about the army of helpers that we have for, you know, even like a common cold, right? Versus, you know, people who are struggling with, you know, I mean, sometimes difficult personal, uh, interpersonal issues. Um, It's nothing. I mean, you know, and there's still sort of, you know, this sort of discouragement for people to be able to, you know, talk about it and and discuss it openly. And I mean, we're sort of encouraged to repress it and, and solve it, you know, deal with it. Yourself.
0: Yeah. Right. So the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and it's a big one, it's a controversial subject for sure, mm. is uh, when almost immediately after the incident, in New Zealand, the Prime Minister there had uh, put a, a ban on sure. semi-automatic right. and, and automatic assault weapons. Right. Or yes. was, it just, was it assault, or was it just semi-automatic and automatics?
1: I don't remember exactly, right. but um, yeah, you know, some large sure. group of you know weapons that yeah. Yeah, not um, not
0: commonly used. Right. You know? And I wonder, do you think that I think would, you know, I wouldn't see that going over well here, certainly. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that was an appropriate response or was it a knee jerk response?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, if you understand the context of democracy in that country versus democracy Mm -hmm. in this country, uh, as I mentioned, you know, we're talking about uh, a country where the executive is the legislative, right? right? So it's much easier to get these things done. If the prime minister is also a member of the, the leader of the majority party in parliament, and so you know, you basically can get that passed just on the support of your own uh, members, even if you didn't get uh, members of parliament, I mean, even if you didn't right, get yeah. the support of others. Our democracy in the US is quite different, I mean, the executive is separated from uh, the legislative, mm-hmm. and so. Even if one of those entities, okay, the executive or the legislative wanted to, you know, change uh, and put through legislation, it's going to be a very difficult lift uh, in in the U.S. uh, because they, you know, as long as they're with different in the hands of different parties, then Mm -hmm. it's not going to go over. Uh, easily
0: and you have a lot of interest groups and yeah of course which are going to lobby right uh
1: and yeah i mean that's one of the things of course that we have to you know understand about our system that lobbying which we think of as yeah i mean that's you know uh, somebody's occupation yeah well in other countries it would be illegal right well and
0: i guess the, the bigger question that i'm asking is do you think that if we had the means to, do you think that that would be a, a proper solution to our problem in, in the U.S. as far mm-hmm. as as a, a stricter gun control regulation
1: right. or or maybe just a, a some sort of a ban across the board? Right. I for you certain know, weapons. Yeah, yeah. I think you know a ban would be difficult to enforce, uh, and you would immediately start you know some kind of underground trade in sure. in those in those weapons. I would be in favor of regulation, as in you know, identifying guns and you know where they're going, who's buying them, et cetera, To have a little bit more of uh, of control over. I mean, just like we have VIN numbers for cars, you know, yeah. have or uh, how you
0: have to get licenses <laughs> to drive a
1: driver car. a car. So you know, have yeah, gun gun numbers. I mean, you know, to 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 and 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 okay, so this gun was bought here was moved here went here so that you know if that intersects at some point with someone who you know maybe in the area of mental illness etc okay i mean in other words you know it's being bought by somebody who is taking it to a home where there's somebody present who has difficulties you know i mean see that would mean a level of um, scrutiny, I think, which I don't think we're going to be comfortable with. But still, I think at least the minimal step of having, you know, gun identification numbers, which help us trace. I mean, it's not going to be a total solution, but at least some of it could be dealt with.
0: Well, you mentioned at the top of the conversation about the the uh, the sample that you studied mm-hmm. of the individuals that were incarcerated right. and how they, you know, said the ease of access to all the guns that they were able to find at gun right. shows. And, right, right, yeah. So, and,
1: and straw buys. Yeah, and, yeah I okay. definitely think that
0: ties together. Mm-hmm. Certainly. So, well, um, I, I think that that is a, a good place to leave it, and um, I really appreciate your, your perspective on this, okay. and your expertise. Right. Um, Thank you, Terry right. Thank you again. Sure.